the idea that someone can come alongside you and they see something in you that you don't, or they see the possibilities with the tools that you've got that you just don't know how to use yet. One, one that stands out to me was last year, around this time, actually, I was just bumping up against these massive roadblocks. I was like going through the feast and famine cycle. It was like, okay, I'd sell a bunch and then I'd have to fulfill on it. And then I'd sell a bunch and I'd have to fulfill on it. And we had about two or three, I think it was around three people on the team at the time. And my coach, one of, one of my mentors said, hey, you know, what if you're not the best at what you do? Because that was what was holding me back. And he said, what if you're not the best at what you do in this particular zone? And what if you could hire someone that was even better than you? And I remember it was on a Zoom call and I remember just like being like, I am in my mind. Mm -hmm. I was like, I am the best at this. No one can do it better than me. Yeah, absolutely. But in the same thought, I was like, no, that's ridiculous. Of course, I'm not the best. And that one thing unlocked the next exponential growth for me. Hi, and welcome to the 91 Day Success Podcast. I'm Jonathan, and I am thrilled today to have Lewis with me from Blue Crocus Solutions. Lewis is coming to us all the way from the Great White North, at least for those of us here in North America. Lewis is up in Canada, and Lewis is a peer of mine that we've gotten to know through a group that we're part of, and I just am really excited today about the opportunity to chat with Lewis, hear his story, and have him share a little bit about his journey in entrepreneurship with us. Lewis, as we get started, could you give everybody kind of a 30 second overview of who is Lewis and what do you do at Blue Crocus Solutions? Absolutely. Yeah. Jonathan, appreciate you having me on. Excited to excited to chat this through. So we work with home service industries, primarily focused on junk removal and we do websites, we do logos, we do SEO. We used to do Google ads. We outsource that now kind of partner with another agency that does that. But that's what we're doing is diving deep into the Google sandbox and looking at how we can best serve our clients that way. Now, I know you're based in Canada, but I believe you work with contractors, junk removal companies, and that literally across North America and possibly beyond. Am I correct in that, Lewis? Yes, I believe it's all inside North America right now. I was doing a quick quick inventory there, but we're talking to a couple in Australia. We're talking to one in the UK right now, but currently every everything is inside North America. Alaska is the last state, I believe, that we have, have to touch in, inside Fantastic. North America. But yeah, it's been fun. It's been fun. And we have a lot of U.S. clients. I would say 95% of our clientele is from the States. And that brings up an interesting point. And you and I are both in the digital marketing arena, but I hear this a lot that people are like, well, I don't want to work with somebody that's in a different country because they're just not going to understand what I do. But my belief has always been that digital marketing is one of those truly universal services and that it really doesn't matter where you're located as long as you found a firm that understands your industry, your business, and they're obviously good at what they do, whether you're in Canada, whether you're in the United States, whether you're in Australia or really anywhere else, that isn't so much material as long as they know your industry. What's your perspective on that for that business owner out there that's considering maybe hiring an agency to help them? How important is it for that they find somebody in their local area or even in their country to work with, as opposed to finding someone who specializes in their niche. It's just interesting because a lot of people think, Hey, I want to go with someone local because I can touch them. I can feel them. I can go out to coffee with them. But I think odds are now with our global, the global economy that we're in, you can find someone a lot better to give you better service. If you can provide them the information they need to know about your area, odds are you're going to get someone better qualified that's outside your local pool because there's just a larger pool of people to pull from. It, it's interesting because 
two of my mentors and coaches have come from Australia, actually. So I'm the same way. I don't necessarily have local people that are working with us on helping us grow. You and I have connected externally through, through yep. a, a mentorship that was based in the States, right? So it's, if you're open to that possibility of reaching out to people that you won't necessarily be able to give a big bro hug to, <laughs> then I think there's a lot of talent out there that you can tap into that you won't necessarily find locally. No, I agree with you entirely. And I just, I wanted to hit that real quick because I know that's a question that a lot of our listeners have as they're trying to figure out how do they do that. It wasn't that long ago that you're younger than I am, but most of us, we looked in and around maybe within an hour or two of where we live to find the vendors that we worked with to help promote our businesses and things like that. And I really do think that's changed. And that has pluses and minuses as even as our organization exists. I used to work primarily with people within about an hour of Grand Rapids, Michigan. That's no longer longer the case at all. Literally, we're working with people around the globe, mainly in North America, but it's amazing to see that transition. And what's been really cool from my perspective is to see the results that we're able to bring to customers by picking a niche and focusing on it. And that's really where I want to go next with you. You've got an incredible niche in the junk removal industry. Talk to me about how did your journey transpire from a mechanical engineer to becoming an entrepreneur and now getting involved in the junk removal business? How does that path unveil or how's that work? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. And it's one that people don't expect, but I'm going I'm to follow up with your, I'll get to the story here in a second, but I'm going to follow no up problem. with your point about the ability to hire anybody from anywhere. I think, especially where you and I are niching down and that's a philosophy of the seven figure agency is become the best at one thing, right? Correct. And if you're going with someone local, they, they can't niche down because if they niche down into, let's say HVAC, for example, there's only so many HVAC companies and you can't be working with them all. Right. And so you, it's hard to niche down. You have to be a generalist locally. Whereas if you're working with someone that's a little bit more global, they can niche down because there's a wider pool of people to work with. And so it becomes something where they can become the best. They can see things that are working in other markets. That's my favorite thing about working with clients, obviously different companies, but different areas, different mm -hmm. things might work better. They might try something that works well in an area and then we'll take it to a client. Say a client on the West coast has something that works well. We'll take it to the East coast and be like, Hey, try this out. Johnny is Johnny is trying this. You should try it. I think it'll work really well for you. So it's fun that way to do it. But yeah, the niching down and finding an agency that really specializes in your niche. It's not possible typically to find someone local unless you're that one company that they're going to work with locally. No, absolutely. Talk to me a little bit about your background now. Again, how you, I know you've spent some time in construction, engineering and all that. How did that all influence you as you went to pick your niche in the junk removal business? Yeah. So I'll get back to your previous question. I jumped into the other answer, but oh, that's okay. I'll give the, I'll give the, the Coles notes of where I've come from and where we're headed. So I grew up on a farm, was very used to hard work and it was work your face off from dawn to dusk kind of thing. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. So once started of that hard work, I did construction all through high school. All the summers I was doing construction, concrete work, framing, did a summer of roofing. I actually loved it. I loved the hard work. I loved the being outdoors. I would brag to my friends that they had to pay for a gym membership and I just got to <laughs> swole just by going to work and getting paid. So I went through that. My dad was, a, we call it up here, Red Seal Carpenter and a Red Seal, sorry, Red Seal Concrete Work. He was very skilled at carpentry, but he was actually Red Seal in concrete work. So I did a lot of that stuff with him. And the idea was to always follow in his footsteps. I just didn't see that as the path that I wanted to take. And I was the first one in my family actually to go to, we call it university up here, but to college. Yep. And I didn't really know anybody that had done it in my family. So 
my cousin, my mom's cousin, actually, he went and did computer science locally. And he was like, it's incredible. You should come and do the university thing. And I said, all right, cool. That will set me up for a different type of job, a way that I can support the family that I eventually want to have. So I just applied and, and actually I applied, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I was like, Jesse, what should I do? And he's like, do you like math? You like science? You like working on the farm and fixing machines? You should do mechanical engineering. And so that's what I applied for. I applied for it, got in, did a five-year degree in mechanical engineering, ended up working all through that degree with a company. I guess the second summer after, after I started, I got in as a, a salaried worker with a family friend working on design. So I was designing things for their company. They work with people who are paralyzed and don't have typically don't have access to their legs. And so we were building attachments so that they could drive a car using their hands. So you push for brake, you pull for accelerator, and then you steer with your other hand kind of thing. So different attachments like that. Loved the job, really rewarding. Worked with them all through school, paid my way through university, paid for our wedding. It was great. I graduate and I'm still working there. I start working with them full time. And then I start, our son was on the way. He was born three months after I graduated. And there was a few things that happened. I started to see how expensive diapers were. And I also started <laughs> to see how my friends who were just graduating were getting quite a bit more in salary than I was getting with way more experience than them. Cause I'd been working for four years doing design work and they had no experience. We're going right into the job force. And so I said, Hey, I need to be making more money as a family of a father that wants to have four kids eventually. Our first is here. He's gobbling through the diapers. You got to figure something <laughs> out. So I started looking at some different ideas. I actually, in August 1st of 2019, signed up for an SEO course. And basically, I like to say my first sale was telling Alyssa that, hey, instead of building a bathroom, we're actually going to take all this money. We're going to put it over to this course and we're, I'm going to start a business and take this big risk. And she was on board with it. Looking back, she's glad she did it. She wasn't quite sure when I took that leap. So I did that August 1st. And then August 21st, I started being exposed to all this through the jumping into the course, interacting with the mm -hmm. people in there, started being exposed to all these entrepreneurial minds and listening to podcasts and just trying to absorb everything. I had no background in marketing or business. I'd always been somewhat inclined that way, but I didn't have any background. So I was listening to podcasts. I was talking to people in the groups. I was seeing what they were doing, numbers that were like out of this world to me at the time. And I was, I was just soaking that up. And I started reading The 4-Hour Workweek as one of the book suggestions that had popped up. And Tim Ferriss gets to the point where he's, if you want to go for something, just do it. Don't like what's holding you back. And I said, I want to be making more money at my job. So I went in and I said, Hey, this is what I need to be making based on this and this. We had, I had an agreement with the, the fellow I was working for that I wouldn't go looking for jobs. I talked to him if I needed a change. So I went in on a Tuesday afternoon, had that conversation with him. Thursday, I said, Hey, what do you guys think? I just want to circle back. He'd said, come back Thursday and we'll chat about it. So he's yeah, come into my office. Hey, you're done. Pack up your stuff wow. and you're done tomorrow. It, tomorrow was a Friday and to come back to the office, clean up your stuff and pass over your projects and you're done. And that man, like it was equal parts shocking and relieving to be honest. Cause I think if I hadn't done that, I would still be at that job four years later, but it was also, I had a child. I had a wife who I was supporting and those diapers don't pay for themselves. And so yeah, like, a reality man. check. Yeah. So <laughs> I basically taken the savings we'd had and dumped it into the new business and didn't really have a whole lot of buffer left. And so I went home, I had to drive home the 20 minute drive home and go and tell Alyssa, Hey, I just got let go. 
<laughs> oh, <laughs> this man. Is, this is what's happened. But then in the back of my mind, I was like, this is really cool. I'm 20 days into this process of starting the business. I could like really focus in on this while I half-heartedly look for jobs, right? Because I was hey, maybe I can make a go of this. I just could take off and run. Turns out I wasn't quite established enough. I did get a few clients in that in that process. I ended up getting a job for about a year to fill in and provide some income. But that was my launching into the business world. Was oh, I love it. Was taking that course and then basically diving in and ultimately burning the boats right <laughs> within 20 days of starting the business. And from there, went in, we worked with a lot of home service companies to start. And then I can get into the story, but we started a junk removal company. And then that's taken us down this route. So I'll let you catch up because I covered a lot of ground so far. And then we can go into the junk removal story. No, that's great. And I appreciate the story. It's one of the things we love to do here on the podcast is get into those stories because it's amazing how how many similarities often there are in that entrepreneurial journey. Obviously, they are slightly different flavors. It's amazing how many of us have had experiences like you did. And then all of a sudden we found ourselves, it's okay, it's time to put up or shut up. And we got to do so really quickly. I want to circle back to something you'd said a little bit earlier before we talk about how you got into that junk business. But you'd mentioned earlier that you've really tried to surround yourself with coaches and mentors. As a business owner and an entrepreneur, what are one or two of the most valuable lessons that you've learned in the last few years from those coaches and mentors? Oh, that's a really good question. And I never quite know how to answer it because there's so many things. I'd have to go like back through my notes to really get oh, yeah, I get it. Yeah. A good answer. But probably the ones that stick out the most in my mind is the idea that someone can come alongside you and they see something in you that you don't, or they see the possibilities with the tools that you've got that you just don't know how to use yet. One one that stands out to me was last year, around this time, actually, I was just bumping up against these massive roadblocks. I was like going through the feast and famine cycle. It was like, okay, I'd sell a bunch and then I'd have to fulfill on it. And then I'd sell a bunch and I'd have to fulfill on it. And we had about two or three, I think it was around three people on the team at the time. And my coach, one of, one of my mentors said, Hey, you know, what if you're not the best at what you do? Cause that was what was holding me back. And he said, what if you're not the best at what you do in this particular zone? And what if you could hire someone that was even better than you? And I remember it was on a zoom call and I remember just like being like, I am in my mind. Mm -hmm. I was like, I am the best at this. No one can do it better than me. Yeah, absolutely. But in the same thought, I was like, no, that's ridiculous. Of course I'm not the best. And that one thing unlocked the next exponential growth for me. It was like, hey, I'm not the best and I'll never be the best at everything. And I'm probably not the best at anything that I do. And so let's figure out a way to distill that into a process. Because even though I did engineering, I'm not a very process-driven person. I'm very much a visionary. I want to get out there and start things and see things and then have someone else finish it, right? So that one thing of being able to say, hey, I'm not the best at it. Let's figure out some processes where I can bring someone on and they can develop that further and be the person that I can't be. And then it removes me as a bottleneck. And that's every time we've had growth is when I've stepped further back and out of the bottleneck and been able to let the team step up and handle things and make things happen. I think that's just, that's amazing insight. And I think it's so applicable to so many of us. I know I just, I've gone through that with my team at Valor Circle and stepping back, taking a step away from that to allow the team to do what they're good at because they are better than I am at it and they are 
they're better capable of delivering results to our clients. They're, they're more adept at dealing with the solutions that we provide. And like you being a visionary, sometimes I get in the way of that and it actually cause more problems than good. And we've just recently taken a big transition related to that. And that's been exciting because it's so cool to see when you can take that idea that you had and then grow that and then find teams that can help deliver even better than you can. Great share, I think, on great advice on what you've got there. That That's just golden. Talk to me a little bit about the junk removal. From what I read beforehand and what we've talked, it looked like you partnered with a junk removal company back in, in 2021. Is that how that started? Can you maybe share a little bit about how that partnership emerged and how that helped you grow Blue Crocus Solutions and the what it is today. Yeah, for sure. So twenty beginning of twenty one, I had. I'll back up a little bit. So twenty twenty, I had a friend of mine reach out from university, who he had seen what I was doing. He'd seen my post, and he said, "Hey, how can I be a part of this?" He was doing an engineering job at the time, and he's like, "I don't love it. What you're doing, don't know anything about it. How can mm-hmm. we make this work?" So he actually jumped on with me, went through that initial training that I had purchased got up to speed on it, worked for free for a while. He was still working at a job just to take in everything. And then he actually quit his job like two months later to come work with me. And awesome. so we started, we started going gung ho together. And in January of 21, I had a local drunk removal company reach out to me and they said, Hey, can you look at my website? Can you see what we can do? I did. I quoted him a price and he's like, that's ridiculous. That's way too high. <laughs> Been there, done that. Yeah. And that planted a seed in me that led to today, which is Ryan and I started talking and we're like, there's no competition here locally. We could have blown him up. And so we started looking at some different options. Ryan's always been a very hands-on guy. And as the agency was growing, we said, why don't we start a junk removal company? So we started it up. We got it going. I believe it was end of May of 21. We like registered the business, finally got insurance because it's actually really hard to get insurance for junk removal here locally. Got a trailer, got a truck and... We were in business. We built a website out and within the first, I think it was four months, we were up to 15K a month in revenue just off of SEO, no ads, nothing. It was SEO and using social media. And the process of that, I was very, I was still in the office managing Blue Crocus. Ryan was in the field doing the jobs and selling everything. But the excitement that I got out of growing that business, and I basically looked at all the marketing ideas that we could possibly do. I talked to the radio, I talked to television. I explored all these different avenues that we hadn't typically explored because we were doing websites and SEO for clients. Sure. I actually got to get out there, boots on the ground, process these, these things as a business owner. And with, I'm very much like, hey, let's spend whatever we need to make money. Ryan was like, hey, let's save as much as we can and just get this off the ground. So it was a good balance. And I got to see it from a business owner's perspective. And so now when I talk to people, I can say, hey, if I was a business owner in your boots, this is what I would be doing because I've been there. And so building that up from the ground was a really cool experience. And then I started sharing it in the groups. Like I had jumped into the junk removal groups as someone who was curious to learn, not as a marketer. And so I was asking all these questions and then I started sharing things that were working for us and then turned back into the marketer as we got going. And I was able to share some valuable insights. And that led to me creating a video. I think it was like a 30 minute video I did in October of 21 on, hey, this is exactly how we did what we did. Started getting leads off of that, started sharing that in the groups when people were asking questions. It turned into, we became someone that people started coming to for junk removal advice, for website help, for SEO help. 
And then it was like, this is junk room Google's turned into the largest percentage of our customer base. Let's kind of niche down and become even better at it. And so that's how that happened. We've since Ryan actually has since moved to just doing the junk removal and I've stuck with just the agency, but it's been a really good transition that way. But having that experience and that social proof that, Hey, I've actually been in the trenches building a business. It's not just, Hey, give me your money and I'll make you a millionaire. I've, I've actually done it. That's been invaluable for agency and taught me a lot about marketing along the way. I think that's a great story. And I think it explains why you're providing so much value in the industry. You've been there, you've done it. You're not just somebody that's got in and you and I see that all the time. And I'm sure listeners of the podcast do too. There's always a new expert in your email every day, trying to sell you a new program and something else. And 99% of the time, it seems like those experts really don't have any experience in doing what you do at all. Maybe they've bought a course and rewritten it or whatever, and they're simply trying to sell you something. And I think that's got to just bring you tremendous credibility to have said, Hey, look, we started a junk removal company. We've done it. We've proven it. Now I can show you how to do the same thing. It's just brilliant. I love that. It's been one of the other things that you've done that I think is a big deal as far as building credibility. And I love to talk about to our listeners is the importance of becoming a published author and writing a book as that relates to marketing your business. So a little bit apart from the junk removal, but talk to me about why did you decide to write a book and how has that helped you be perceived and seen as an expert in your field? Yeah. So I set a goal of, it was before I jumped into the seven figure agency and was taught the concept of, Hey, writing a book is a great way to build authority and provide value. But I set a goal last year of, I want to write a book. I want to write, and I'd always wanted to write and do something in the kids space. Because when you become a parent, you realize how much money people spend on things for their kids. Absolutely. And coming from my engineering perspective, I was like, I've always had the dream. Maybe I can be an inventor. All my ideas, coincidentally or not, that I had going through university, they were, I would go on and look and like someone had just started a Kickstarter for the idea. So I've always felt like I was behind the eight ball on my world changing invention. So I said, Hey, I want to write a book. I want to do it something kid related. And it was July or August of last year and I hadn't done anything on it. And I was like, all right, I got to do something. And it was, so I just started thinking about it and the idea came to me, why can't I combine what we do and the people that we serve with the kids book, with the book. And so I brought all three things together and we ended up writing a book. It's basically an ABC book for kids that highlights the trades. So you've got tools, you've got vehicles, you've got trades that are highlighted on each page and for each letter of the alphabet, it was really fun. So the, the, our graphic designer on the team did all the artwork. I pulled everything together, but the process of it, it sparked something that it sparked an addiction, I think. So I'm actually writing a drunk removal related marketing book. Now, I think that one's going to take longer. I was hoping to finish it this year, but I don't want it to just, just be fluff. I want it to be very impactful. Sure. I've partnered with a bunch of people to write parts of the book and bring expertise and things that I'm not the expert in. But yeah, it's been fun and it's, and I've, I've learned a lot in the process, but also realized, Hey, almost anybody can write a book. Lots of people say they want to, but just by writing a book, you become in that top percentage of people that can say that they've done it. And one of the things I noticed about, again, you and that, and while your book wasn't directly related to your business, it was tangentially related and it still allowed you to say, Hey, I'm a published author and all that. And I have found since we published our first book last year, it brings tremendous credibility when you're having a conversation with someone that 
even if you're not bringing it up, you don't even have to promote it. It's amazing how people will learn that and find that. And then again, how much credibility that brings to the discussions that you're having. So yeah. I really appreciate you sharing that. No, that's fantastic. Any tips for having written a book and published it and writing your second? Any tips for our listeners out there that are thinking, okay, I've heard this time and time again. What? How do you get started in writing a book? And how important is it that it's, again, absolutely about what you do versus your book, which was trades related, but still a kid's book? Yeah, I think writing the book that I'm writing now, that's much more content heavy because our graphic designer did a lot of the heavy lifting and the writing of it as he designed everything. Mm -hmm. So I can't, I can't really speak to that as far as having finished actually writing a book. I don't think it, it diminishes what I've done, but I don't think I can speak to it as like a, someone that's actually written and published a book. I think the concept and the practice of writing as I'm writing the second one, I pull out things that I didn't even know I had in my heart, in my head. And then I'm able to bring that to our clients as I'm writing it. It's, Hey, we can develop things. I can write videos around or record videos around the things that I'm writing. I can provide value in the groups from snippets that I'm writing. I think the process of distilling something down into a book form allows you to really crystallize the stuff that you have, the knowledge that you have and the expertise that you have in a way that might do more benefit for you and your business than it does even for the readers. As selfish as that sounds, there's so much benefit to actually getting in and just starting to distill your thoughts and thinking and processing and being creative, at least for me, that's how I'm wired. And that that's been a big thing there. And then as far as recommendations for someone, I would recommend it. If you've got that in you and that desire, go do it, just start it, sit down. My process has been map it out before I start and then just start pecking away at sections, but you just got to start because that's getting that first, first action that leads to other reactions has been the thing that starts the snowball for me. Oh, I agree with you on the same thing. It really helped distill a lot of my thoughts and brought out a lot in that process. And I couldn't agree with you more. I think the best advice is if you think you want to write a book or you're even considering it, just start. It's there. There's writing a book to me was something I always thought I'd like to do, but would never get around to until I was prompted by our coach to, to do that. And when Josh Nelson said, Hey, you need to have this, he's been great. So I, I follow that advice, but just to get started and do it. It's kind of like the old Nike commercial, just do it. I think so often as entrepreneurs, we look at things like that, that aren't necessarily going to have a payback for us tomorrow. And we go, okay, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. And we never do. So I think your advice there is just to jump in and get started is great advice there. Good advice to everybody that's listening here. Let's circle back around and talk a little bit about group circle back around and talk a little bit more about blue crocus solutions. Talk to me about your agency and what types of things you now do for your clients as you serve them. If I heard you right in 49 of the 50 States in the U S in Australia and around, obviously throughout Canada, talk to me a little bit about what you're doing for them and how you help them succeed. Yeah. So we're doing logos, some branding work. We can do different graphic design for them. And then that bleeds over into designing websites. Our core competency is in websites and SEO. Okay. Logos and branding supplement that because some people come to us with nothing. So we'll help to build that up. But our core competency would be, and the one that we're continuing to build is websites and SEO. But outside of that, based on my experience, we're building out a university or an academy for our clients as well. A lot of it I share over calls or our client success manager does, but we're building out an academy where we can distill down these different things that, Hey, maybe you're in spot one, 
maybe you've just you're not even ready for a website here's some things to start getting some income coming in or some things mm -hmm. that you have to check off like getting a google business a facebook page etc then you're in phase two you've got a website with us but you're not at the income level that it makes sense for you to jump in with us on seo here's some things that you can do you can here's our partners that we would recommend you for google ads to start getting the ball rolling a little bit faster here is a bunch of things you can do in your community etc so trying to give a more well-rounded plan and plan of attack really for our clients because we're doing these things we're really good at but i understand there's so much more to business than just a website and seo because if you're just counting on that you're going to be disappointed every time i love how you with the academy you give away for those prospects that you're talking to that maybe aren't ready for your services, but to begin building a relationship with them and nurturing them and providing value to them. I know one of the things I hear a lot, and I think you and I are similar here, but a lot of people question why in the world would you give away knowledge and give away value to people that aren't paying you? I've got my thoughts on that, but before I, I share, talk to me and talk to the listeners about how have you used that as a tactic through your academy and other things to grow your business? I didn't get this saying or this phrase, but I use it all the time. I said, the info is free. The implementation is what's going to cost you. I've seen this myself. A lot of the coaches that I've hired or mentors that I've hired is because they've laid out so much value out there that I can see or take advantage of, that I know that there's more behind the wall. Yeah, I know there's more behind the curtain and I want that. Typically, I really enjoy the one-on-one -on -one coaching because there's a lot of stuff where it comes in and it becomes very tailored on your business. But if you've seen that value out there that they're putting out for free, then you know that there's more that they're holding back. Even if they're, if it's really good value and that's all the value that they have, sometimes having someone to come alongside and do the work that they're recommending that you do instead of you having to do it as a busy business owner, that's extremely valuable too. It also comes down on the flip side if I can provide enough value that someone can build their company up to where it makes sense to work with us, I've then nurtured them along as a client before they were even a client and they've built their business in a way that it's much easier to come alongside them and help them grow from that point forward. 100% agreed across the board. I can hear some of our listeners going, yeah, but if I give away what I know and I give away that value, nobody's ever going to hire me. How do you address that with an entrepreneur who's maybe not quite ready emotionally or mentally to say, let me give it away and I'll charge for the implementation. How do you encourage that entrepreneur to say, look, there, while it's a scary step, it is absolutely one that works. It's the same way we've built our business. How do you address that with an entrepreneur that's got those concerns? There's two types of people. There's people that will take in all the information and be really excited and say they're going to implement it, but then they won't implement it. And then they'll get to a point in their business where they're like, oh, screw it. I got to call Lewis anyway and just have him pay him to do it. Or they'll start doing it and realize it's much more in-depth than what they expected for the time that they have. And then there's the people that are going to do it. And they're going to dive in and they're going to implement it. And then they're going to be super excited and they're going to become raving fans who recommend you anyway. That's been my experience. And typically the second type of person is not someone that I want to work with anyway, because they're going to be in there. They're going to be wanting to do everything all, all along the way anyway. And they're going to be questioning us every step of the way, or they're going to be like, Hey, it's not worth you doing it because I can do it. And in that case, it's not worth us doing it because you can do it. And so the people that are our best clients, they've seen the value. They want it to be done. They just don't have time to do it and they want someone to come in and do it. So it, it does help. I think it helps weed out the people that you know, you, you really don't want to be working 
for and with because they want to do it themselves. And then on the flip side, they become fans and recommend you typically in the groups because they've seen the value, they've implemented it and know it works. I, I think that's probably the best example and, and explanation I've heard of that. I love it. You're right. Because a lot of those people that do decide to do their self-implementation wouldn't have made good clients. They're not willing to quote unquote, get on your bus and ride. They want to drive their own bus and that makes implementation and working with them difficult. But like you said, when you provide them with that framework and the value that they then implement, they become some of your biggest and most outspoken raving fans to encourage others to learn about you. And then obviously a lot of people, and we found I don't know if there's an exact percentage, but we found certainly a lot of the people that get involved in our nurture campaigns and start learning and take jumping into that. Just like you said, they look at it and go, okay, this is a lot more involved than I thought. I now understand even better how important it is for my business to do this stuff. But I also understand that I want to go back and focus on my business and not focus on this. And I'd rather just hire an agency to do this because in many times it's less expensive than hiring a person in-house to do it for them. And obviously you get all of that agency experience. You've already built the credibility. And I think that really transcends across the board into almost any industry. If you can give away that knowledge and establish yourself as an expert, you're going to draw like a magnet those prospects that you want to work with towards you. And it's a great strategy. I love that. So talk to me just a little bit about next steps. Where do you see Blue Crocus going down the road? I know you're a serial entrepreneur. You've talked about how you've had multiple businesses and that. What's on the horizon for Lewis and your family as it relates to your entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, I think the serial entrepreneurialism you wear as a badge of honor at the beginning, and then you start seeing it as a little bit of a curse as you go along. <laughs> yes. <laughs> really right now, the focus is on building Blue Crocus. I think there's a huge amount of untapped potential in the market and in the capability of our team and our process. So it's really focusing on that. I actually have gotten some offers to partner with this company here and that company there. And I almost took them. And then I talk it over with my mentor and he's, man, you got to leave those shiny objects for down the road when you've got more time and flexibility. Nothing wrong with them per se. But Blue Crocus is a ship that has a lot of potential and can take us really far. So really focusing in on that, that's my number one investment vehicle right now is building this business. And then down the road, it would be turn that into some philanthropic work. I've always mm -hmm. had the, I've always had the desire and the passion for the homeless community. When I started the business, I actually said by 2027, I'm going to give a million dollars away to charity I um, love it. Know, off the business. I don't know if that's quite the path that we're going to take as we get closer, because I think some of it could be better invested into the business right now to do much more bigger impact down the road. But I, we are regularly donating to some local initiatives around that same topic. And I'm working on, I think we'll be starting a nonprofit here around that as well, so that we can then decide where the money goes a little bit better. But that is a, that's a big passion of mine. And then I think using what we've done to build real estate and to build that ongoing wealth so that we can impact more people is that's what my goal is impact. I don't really care about status. I don't care about being the biggest, baddest agency. That's what we're working towards and taking the steps towards sure. in our niche, but I don't care about the status. It's the impact. How many people can I leave changed as clients, as employees that we can touch a lot of families through just this one vehicle. Oh, I love it. That's a great way to take a look at it. And a great example, I think. Lewis, is, as the name of our podcast is the 91 Day Success Podcast, and especially when I'm talking to entrepreneurs like yourself, I love to, to ask if you had to start over, and this is the, we base it on a book here that 
You may or may not be familiar with Russell Brunson, but he wrote a book called 30 Days. And basically he interviewed a bunch of the people that use his product, ClickFunnels, and said, hey, if you had to start over and you had 30 days, what would you do? And I loved the book, but I honestly didn't think 30 days was enough because let's face it, it's really hard to do much of an impact in 30 days. You can do it, but it's hard. And we said, let's do 91 days. That's three months. So I'm going to ask you, Lewis, if you had to start over and you had $1,000 to grow the business, your needs were taken care of, your housing and food and all that, you had your laptop, you had your knowledge, you have your network, but you don't have a business. And what would you do in the first 91 days to build a successful business that would hopefully scale to that $10,000 a month range in 90 days or less? Yeah, I love this question. I also love that you did 91 days, not 90 days, because it's just less yeah. cliche. Everybody's like, oh, exactly. the, work you, the work you put in now, you're going to see in 90 days. And I think that's absolutely accurate and really applicable to this. So with that in mind, it would be how can I front load all the actions? So the path mm -hmm. that I would take, I would go back into a digital agency for sure, because that's where I have the most experience and where I've seen the best returns. I've, if I've got my network, I didn't know if I had my network as I was thinking about it. So if I've got my network, I would be reaching out to them. I would be jumping on calls with them. I'd probably schedule my whole first two weeks just jumping on calls to, to reignite relationships, to start working with referral partners and really diving deep into that. And then I would also start a podcast. Mike and I were talking before the show about the fact that I had a podcast and I started it through the need to network, actually, mm -hmm. as I was going just about to go full time into this in 2020. I was going to start a business or a segment called Lunch with Lewis, and I was going to take out local business owners that I respected to a restaurant. We'd have an hour or two to chat, and I would learn from them. COVID happened. That didn't, it, it was literally a week after I decided to do the Lunch with Lewis thing that you couldn't go out to restaurants, right? But that was one of the best things that ever happened in my business. So I turned it into a podcast, and I started interviewing people on my podcast that I wanted to learn from. And so I'd interview people I wanted to learn from. I also put out calls and interviewed potential customers in the markets that I was going into. So at the time I was actually really focused on asphalt paving. So I put out calls in the group and said, who wants to be on my podcast? We'll, we'll link back to your website. We'll give you exposure. It'll be great for you. We get to learn more about you. And then after the show, I would chat with them briefly about their business, give them some tips and got clients off of that. So I would be doing that. The first two weeks would be chatting with referrals, potential referral partners, making connections in the industry that way. And then every second in between that would be doing live shows that I'd put on YouTube and put on podcast with potential customers. So I'd just oh. find the people that I wanted to be to work with as clients and have them on the podcast. Great advice. And I think one that, that works really well, it's part of what I call omnipresence, making sure that you're developing an online persona and experience that your prospects, the people you want to do business with, that you they see you everywhere. Uh, and podcasting, then taking that and putting that into social media, blogging, videos, all of that's part of it. And I think that really great advice, because as you do that, again, you create that expertise and then you draw people towards you again, like a magnet that say, hey, I want to work with Lewis because I, I, they already feel like they know you. They've watched you. They've heard you. And that first sales call isn't really a first sales call because they've already decided that they know and trust you. And now it's just a matter of finding out, can you provide enough value to make it worthwhile to work with? Yeah, exactly. So I keep that. I would keep the podcast going. I'd throw up a sing, single page website, get a domain. I don't think I'd really use up the hundred dollars or a thousand dollars very rapidly. I might buy a streaming software. I use StreamYard. 
now I'd mm -hmm. probably do that just so I can stream it out to different groups, start posting in all the groups, becoming omnipresent there. Because it's really amazing how fast you can become kind of the go-to person in a group. If you provide value consistently enough, I would say it's about a month. You can become the person that people are starting to tag in the groups. I would also do audits for people. One thing that we've mm -hmm. done that has worked really well is I'll get someone to shoot me their website. I'll do a five-minute walkthrough and be like, hey, here's 10 different things you can do on your Google business listing, on your website. Take this back to your marketing team, or we'd love to help you with that. And that's been very good for us as far as building that know and trust, leading with value. Everything I would do would be like stockpiling value as much as I could in the first and really getting that momentum going and then continuing to do that. And then you'd sprinkle in sales calls and implementation and building a team throughout that. But that would be where I would go with that. No, and for those of you that are listening and you're wondering, when Lewis says 30 days, I want to tell you he's right. Recently, I've become totally enthralled with chat gpt and google bard and ai and things like that and literally on a whim one saturday i thought i'm going to start a new facebook group about this just to share things that i'm interested in and share things about ai and really what i wanted to do lewis you've probably seen it as well we see all kinds of things as marketers about how to use ai to create content but I saw so much opportunity for entrepreneurs to use it in all kinds of ways, from crafting emails to helping with business plans to doing consulting, much more than just writing blog posts. So I started that group literally on a whim on a Saturday. That was about a month ago, maybe six weeks. I've already grown that group. I haven't, but that group has grown to over 1,500 people. And what's interesting is I've already been invited to be on six different podcasts because of that. All I do is share stuff that I read on Twitter and other places like that and have a central repository. And then I share some of my experiences. Hey, here's how I create this prompt to do this. And here's how I do this. And here's something that you may not have thought of. And it's amazing to watch how that has grown. While that's not my business, it has absolutely, as you mentioned, it took less than 30 days for those podcast interviews to start, requests to start coming in, for people to start reaching out to me. And it doesn't take much of my time to do that. I probably spend 20 or 30 minutes a day on that, which I was spending anyway, because I love the topic. Now I'm just sharing it. And it's amazing how that has, again, just as you said, it's benefited the business because some of those people that ask me questions about AI then go, how did you learn all this and what do you do? And then I get to share who I am and what I do as a business. And a couple of those people have become clients already in 45 days with no advertising, no promotion, no money behind it, just literally sharing some expertise. Just a quick case study for those of you who go, there's no way you can do that in 30 days. Lewis is absolutely right. You can. So. I've seen it. I've seen it. Yeah, you can build tremendous momentum in 30 days inside a Facebook group, even if you don't own it. I would start your own group, but I would also start pouring into the groups that are already established and get a lot of traction. You're going to take off. No, absolutely. Great advice and all that. Lewis, I want to thank you for taking the time. I know you've got an incredibly busy life with the family and the business and everything else going on. I really appreciate you joining us this morning and taking the time to share this. I know we're going to share all of your information for Blue Crocus for those people that want to get in touch with you and all that. I always ask because sometimes people are driving down the road listening to this podcast. If they don't have a place to take notes and they want to have something easy and memorable, how do they reach out to you? What do we want to tell them so that they don't have to replay this podcast and look for the link? What's the best way for them to reach out to you, Lewis? Yeah. So lewisvandervoek.com has all my info. Our agency site is bluecrocus.com. 
com or .ca. We have both domains now, which is cool. We, after four years, we finally bought the .com. It was one of those premium domains, but uh, bluecrocus.com or .ca, and you'll find us there and you can reach out to me or find me on social media as well. Fantastic. Again, thank you for the tremendous insights. I love your story. I appreciate all the sharing. And I just, again, thank you very much for your time today. Appreciate it, Jonathan. Thank you for the chance to chat. Absolutely. So thank you for joining us. If you've made it this far, we're at the end of the podcast and we're thrilled that you've joined us. We want to encourage you to go out, pursue those dreams and make it a great day. We'll see you on the other side.